We are through All-Star Weekend and ready for the second half of the season. It's the Minnesota Basketball Party on Locked On Sports Minnesota. This is Locked On Sports Minnesota Podcast. It's endless Minnesota Timberwolves talk with the diverse voices of your local experts. It's time for the Minnesota Basketball Party on the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Wolves talk every Wednesday right here on the Minnesota Basketball Party. Thank you for tuning in. I'm Sam Ekstrom, the host of the show. You'll meet the rest of our panel today in a second, but we're really pumped that you're watching us on Locked On Sports Minnesota's YouTube channel. If you haven't, please subscribe and get all of our programming here at Locked On Sports Minnesota. Also, find us on audio on the Locked On Wolves podcast feed. In addition to that, the Sirius XM app, Amazon Fire, and Roku. You can find our, our channel as well. Lots of ways to watch and listen to Locked On Sports Minnesota. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more, and right now new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 bet. That's $150 if your bet wins. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get started. So much to get to today. A Mike Conley extension all-Star Weekend takeaways, and the Wolves' second half begins on Friday. But let's start, as we always do, with our opening tip, Ben. I'm Ben Beacon, host of the Daily Locked on Wolves podcast. And uh, I want to talk a little bit about how what are the main keys to the second half, well, unofficial second half, final third of the Wolves' regular season schedule this year is going to be increasing their volume of three-point attempts if they want that offense to keep moving into the upper tier of the league. I'm Jack Borman, editor-in-chief at Canisupis, co-host of the Lockdown Wolves postcast, and my man Luke Inman. Um, and I'm going to be talking a little bit about why I think Anthony Edwards uh, could take another another step down the final uh, stretch of the season and, and how that might impact the, the Timberwolves ceiling come playoff time. I'm going to talk about how Mike Conley is. Uh, he has something in common with Trey Jones, Amen Thompson, Gabe Vincent, Scoot Henderson, and D'Angelo Russell. We'll talk about all that. That's Ron Johnson on location in Mexico. And once again, I'm Sam Ekstrom. Well, let's get into the big news from Monday. Mike Conley signs an extension. Ron, it sounds like you've got a Mike Conley take all, all locked and loaded for us. So why don't we start with you from Mexico, Ron Johnson. Mike Conley will be a Timberwolf through 2026. Yeah, you know, I'm down here in beautiful Estapa, Mexico. Um and when I was looking at that contract, Sam and I did talked about it on the Ron Johnson show yesterday, uh, as well as we interviewed uh, CJ Ham. Uh, but when I started to deep dive into it, I realized in 2024, 2025 in the season, Mike Conley's average salary that year will be $10.2 million for that season. Now, we haven't seen, at least I haven't seen all the language in the contract. I haven't seen that there's additional like escalators or opportunities to make more money. But the crazy thing about it is when you look at all the guys around that dollar amount, uh, you got Amen Thompson from the from the Rockets, you got Kerry Payton the second, uh, you got Trey Jones at nine million, and then you look up at D'Angelo Russell, and then people are wondering, the only reason I threw that name in there, D'Angelo Russell was down at the twenty-fourth highest paid, he'll be the twenty-fourth highest paid uh point guard, and he's making eighteen million. And so when you think about that, D'Angelo Russell making eighteen, uh, and Mike Conley, and I said it yesterday and I'm gonna say it again. Mike Conley just showed that he really wants to win a championship because I'm pretty sure when you see what these other guys are making and I could throw out names, Marcus Smart, they have him in there with the point guards, Lonzo Ball at 21 million, Terry Rozier, Jalen Brunson, who deserves his, by the way, he should get an extension. He, he needs to get a big contract. 
But then you look at Chris Paul, pretty much out the door at $30 million. His goal was to try to go win a championship. But now the problem is that team is just not a team. Uh, you know, he, he reminds me of when Gary Payton and, and Carl Malone tried to join the Lakers. That's what Chris Paul is doing right now. Whereas Mike Conley's like, look, this is the number one team in the West. They're probably going to be top four in the West for the next two or three years. Let me just go ahead. I think, Sam, I looked it up. $274 million career earnings. $274 million in career earnings. So for him to take $21 million, yeah, it's a friendly deal. Um, but it also says, I want to be a champion. And I think that speaks volumes to the city of Minnesota or city of Minneapolis. Yeah, it's, it's big. And I didn't know if it would happen, but th- it is such a bargain, Ben Beacon. Like it's almost mind blowing. And I compared it to this on the Ron Johnson show. It's as if Kirk Cousins signed a deal tomorrow for 20 million per year. We would be flabbergasted at that dollar amount because it just doesn't really happen in the NFL. But Mike Conley, he, he took a, a big discount to stay in Minnesota. Yeah, I mean, I think I think the biggest, yes, the discount's huge. And I'll let Jack get a little bit more into the cap stuff related to that. But mm-hmm. um, I think the biggest thing is it answers the number one offseason question that the Wolves are going to have, right? Like, that was kind of the, yeah, but. Like, obviously, the finances overall were going to be an issue, and, and they still are going to be challenging. Um, but the number one question going into the offseason was going to be, what's the solution? Monte Morris is going to be a free agent. Jordan McLaughlin is going to be a free agent. And you wouldn't want him to be your starting point guard anyway. And you're also going to have, you were going to have Mike Conley as a free agent and not, and no cap space. So the question was, how are they going to do this? Are they going to rely on, you know, a late first round pick to be their starting point guard coming off of hopefully a deep playoff run. Um, and so this was huge to just answer that question. And now we can stop worrying about that for next year. It's not going to be the, you know, yeah, but what happens after this year, they have to trade Carl Anthony Towns to get a point guard, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, yeah, they're going to be a second apron team, which is going to be, um, you know, challenging in terms of trades that they can and can't make. They won't have their mid-level exception more likely than not, unless they move salary. Um, so there are some cap implications that are that are challenging. But um, on top of all that, the value that you mentioned, I mean, yeah, he's making twenty-four million, I think, this year, and and he'll essentially be making a little over ten million each of the next two years, and. Uh, yeah, he's 36, but how much would he have gotten on the open market? I think I said on the show the other day, he probably would have gotten, I don't know, 16, 17 million, even at his age, because he hasn't shown signs of decline since he's been in Minnesota. And obviously the Wolves are banking on on that not being the case, but also with the way he plays, I don't think he's suddenly going to not be a good catch and shoot three-point shooter. They're not relying on him to truly generate that much offense himself. So it, it's it's an absolute bargain. Like the going rate for starting point guard, as Ron said, is is really, really high. And to to pencil in somebody that you know, I mean, like you look at what he's done so far this year. We talked about this a few weeks ago on the show. Um, he's basically playing the same way he did in his all-star season in Utah like three years ago, just lower volume. Like he's just shooting the ball less, but like he, he's shooting a career best three-point percentage. The defense is nearly where it was a few years ago. Um, and all the other kind of rate-based stats are basically the exact same. He's just you know, he's their fifth option right now, offensively, essentially. Um, and, and so that makes the whole thing work. And and now you you can worry about some of the cap stuff later. You can worry about what that means for your offseason. And there's still a pivot, right? So like if things absolutely fall apart, you know, knock on wood, they won't. But like say something terrible happens in the playoffs and this team, all of a sudden it's like, wait a minute, what do we do? You could still trade somebody if you really want to. I, I would be really surprised at this point if they do, but that's still a possible pivot to move off of a, you know, cat or a Nas Reed or whatever 
and take back some salary and you still have a point guard and you still have ants and you still have whoever you don't trade. So there's lots of, there's lots of directions that Tim Connolly can take this thing now. And you don't have to worry about, Hey, who's going to be the straw that stirs the drink this fall. Jack, maybe you could weigh in on, on some more of those cap implications as well. Yeah, I'd be happy to. Um, but, but first I think the biggest thing for me is just like this signals that this is not your same old Minnesota Timberwolves, right? Like it's, when was the last time the Timberwolves were a player, a player in the buyout market? When was the last time you had a veteran point guard who who loves the core of the team so much, wears a Finchy, that's my dog t-shirt in the game before the break in a graphic tee? Um, you know, it just shows how much Mike Conley really loves uh, this team and, and this organization in Minneapolis, which is really cool uh, for us to see because we don't normally see, you know, guys who have been on playoff teams pretty much their entire career come to a place like Minnesota and really appreciate what this place is and, and what we have here. So it was cool to see that. But um, and also, too, it gives Ant another mentor, right, um, that, that he'll have now for a few years. He had Ricky Rubio and then Patrick Beverly, two like complete opposite ends of the spectrum in terms of um, leadership style. And now to get a guy like Mike Conley, who's just super consistent, um, and a great voice for him to have for for now a fourth season, you know, in 2025, 26 will will be huge for him. Uh, but yeah, it does signal that the Timberwolves are going to be a second apron luxury tax team uh, if they do keep their their main seven backs so of the starters plus Nas and Nikhil. Um, and that's huge. You know, a day after we had the twins ownership group on WCCO playing, you know, broke boy, crying, poor owners um, on the radio. You have Mark Laurie and Alex Rodriguez being willing to pay. Uh, you know, a luxury tax bill that, right, you know, if they, if they sign two minimum guys and sign their first round pick, um, and, you know, that's kind of bare bones minimum here. The, the, the luxury tax payment is going to be north of $47 million. And so that's an all-in price roster in luxury tax of $240 million. That is no small, like, I understand that they, you know, got this franchise at a discount. Um, you know, they've, they've brought in a lot of different, you know, private equity to, to help finance the team. Like I, I get all that, but that's still a big number and it's nothing to sneeze at. And it's something that fans should undoubtedly be appreciative of that. These guys are stepping up to the plate and willing to do that. And it also opens the door for the Timberwolves to bring back Monte Morris, right? The fact that they traded for Monte Morris allowed them to keep his bird rights, um, so that they are able to sign him for, for pretty much any dollar amount that they want to, um, you know, this, this coming season, obviously within reason, um, and so like if, if you were able to sign Monte Morris to say like five million dollars for one year, it's like, hey, prove it. Come back from the injury. You'll be good. We'll, we'll take care of you after that. I mean, even if they sign with five million dollars, that all in price jumps from 240 to 263. Um, so and then you, you factor in all the different penalties that they have for team building. But the great thing about where the Timberwolves are situated right now is almost all their guys in that core signed long term. Right. When you think about Ant, Jaden. Carl, Rudy, Nas, all those guys are signed long-term. The only one you'd have to take care of is, is Nikhil after next season. Um, and, and so you well, you wouldn't really have to worry that much about signing a, a guy to the you know non-taxpayer mid-level, which would be a Kyle Anderson type player. Um, you're probably not going to make any trades where you're sending out two guys to get one guy, right? That's something you can't do. And then you aren't really going to be a player in the buyout market for, you know, unless it's a guy that is uh, – you know, in the space where he's making, you know, zero to zero to $10 million or something like that. So um, I, I really liked that the Timberwolves are pushing all their chips in and, and really betting on on the fact that this team can go deep in the playoffs. And, you know, the, the thing about the luxury tax, right, is, um, you know, that how much of that $47 million could be recouped if, if you're hosting playoff games, you know, into the Western Conference Finals, right? Like, 
it's, we've seen what this fan base does uh, during the playoffs. They come out, they show out, they're extremely loud. They fill that place up and they get really into the team, buy a ton of merch, all, all the rest of it. So, um, you know, I, I think it's just a bet on, on this team being really, really good this season and being able to, you know, recoup some of that money in advance of, of when, um, you know, that payment is going to come next season. But it's really fun that uh, the Timberwolves ownership group is, is stepping up to the plate in the way that they are and that you have a player that uh, believes in this group as much as he does, given his resume is, uh, is pretty impressive and, and something that fans should undoubtedly be excited about. Yeah, dare I say it's a Wilf-like willingness to spend. We have that with the Vikings, now with the Timberwolves. And I have no idea how costs get divvied up between split ownership groups when you have Glenn Taylor owning 60%, soon to be 40, and A-Rod and Lori owning the other half. Is it more palatable because you've got two different groups that are willing to pitch in and pay that tax? I don't know. I don't know how that works or like who's on the hook for those costs. But um, I wonder if that contributes to it as well when you have a couple more uh, billionaires, per se, um, in the mix. Lots more to get to, including All-Star Weekend, Ant participated kind of, Cat participated heavily, and Chris Finch oversaw a 211-point defensive effort against his team. Uh, all that and more coming up on the Minnesota Basketball Party. And we're brought to you today by FanDuel Get Buckets. With your first bet on FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook, because right now new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 bet. $150 if your bet wins. You've got the NBA starting up again tomorrow. You've got NHL going right now and college basketball. And you've got golf every weekend, which I absolutely love. Bet on your favorite NBA players and teams. You've got quick bets, live bets, same game parlays, same game parlay pluses, exclusive props, and plenty more. FanDuel.com slash locked on. Shoot your shot. FanDuel.com slash locked on. Download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's FanDuel, an official sportsbook partner of the NBA. We are also brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. When you're hiring for your small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role. That's why you check out LinkedIn Jobs because they have the tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and for free with a vast network of over a billion professionals. This is not your average job board. This is the best place to hire. It gives you access to pros you can't find anywhere else, and they make the process easy and intuitive. And it's so easy that 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. LinkedIn knows that small businesses are wearing a lot of hats. They're stretched thin. They don't have the resources to hire. That's why they make it so easy. Two and a half million small businesses use LinkedIn. Post your job for free. LinkedIn.com slash NBA. LinkedIn.com slash NBA to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. All right, uh, back on the Minnesota basketball party, All Star Weekend in the rearview mirror. It was it was a talking point, that's for sure. I don't know if it was competitive, but we talked about it. We talked about 397 points scored in the All Star game, 50 of those by Cat Jack Borman. I got to give you props. Let's start with you. You said last week Ant is not going to take it seriously. And he goes out there and shoots with his left hand in the skills competition and barely plays in the all-star game. Um, for a guy that has like some real competitive juices in the regular season, you were absolutely right. He did not care at all about his all-star game uh, performance. 
Yeah, I, I just think that none of these guys are gonna are gonna play hard. There's not really an incentive for them to do it. Um, I, I think that if any one of them were to get injured and, and miss time, um, go, you know, going hard, playing, you know, playing this, you know, glorified pickup game that everybody wants it to be, it's just never gonna be that again. And I think we're kind of at the Pro Bowl point of of things where it needs to be become something different. But with Ann, I just think you know, he, he doesn't want to be there, right? Like Ant does not care at all about individual accolades. And I think it kind of spawns from that rather than, you know, some aberration from his, uh, you know, competitiveness. Um, and, and to be honest with you, I, I just think that uh, him making a farce out of it was hilarious by shooting left-handed. I think, you know, th- those are some of the ways that you can make it more fun and more entertaining is, is in practice, start shooting everything left-handed. Uh, and then tell everyone that you're going to keep shooting left-handed and know everybody's going to be like, all right, Ant, like, all right. And then he comes out in the skills competition and actually does it. Everybody was, uh, you know, thought it was hilarious. I felt a little bad for Victor Wembanyama um, because Wemby wanted to win really bad and Ant just kind of tanked it for him. But, you know, I, I can't I can't blame him at all. And, and, and Finch obviously, you know, knew it was coming and only played him like 10 minutes in the All-Star game. But um yeah it, it's i i thought it was hilarious i think anybody that is is making that take bigger than it's funny or it's just ant being ant uh you know is is probably taking it a little too seriously um but i, I was happy for carl you know you could tell that, that carl wanted to have some fun and um and then three-point contest is, is easily become the best part of all-star weekend i thought the the steph and sabrina event was was fantastic that was that was probably the uh, the peak of it for me, but but for Carl to score 31 in that fourth quarter, most in a quarter in All-Star Game history, um, breaking Jason Tatum's third quarter, I believe it was, from from last season. So, um, you know, it's a bit of a can't-win situation. Uh, you know, you're either a try-hard or you, you know, don't take it seriously and everyone's like, oh, well, this is why the Timberwolves have always been terrible and it's because you're not taking it, you know. there's So I feel, I feel bad for him in that regard, but... Um, yeah, I, I thought Anthony Edwards was hilarious. I wish he would have shot more left-handed shots in the uh, in the actual game. But uh, I guess Finchie or or I don't know if Adam Silver came up to him in the locker room was like, "Hey, man, that, you're not doing this in my All-Star game today." I don't know. I don't know if we got that far. But Adam Silver is going to give Cat a medal, like the one guy who tried. The <laughs> the it's it's like when you're in seventh grade basketball, the team that gets last, they give them like the, the tried hardest trophy. Um, that's what they would give Carl Anthony Towns. Ron, what do you got? Well, um, I have to start off with just Carl Anthony Towns' unawareness in the three-point contest. The fact that he didn't realize he kept stepping on the line. Um, like, that that to me, I get it. It's an all-star game. You're trying to have fun. But if you're really in these competitions, you're trying to win, because he was. The unawareness, like, that that to me kind of annoyed me the most uh, as he's like, look, like, what? what? It's that same cat face we always see when he doesn't know what's going on. And it's like, how do you not realize you're in front of the line on multiple shots? Some of them they gave to him, and I don't think he should have got those. Like his foot was on the line for a lot of them. And so that first took me back to that whole like 70-point game attempt when it was just unaware of the situation, what's going on. It's almost like literally he needs to bring Mike Conley wherever he goes. Like if he's going to the store to buy something, Mike Conley should be there to like tell, tell him – like assist him in this purchase. No, this is not what we want, Cat. Uh, he should have been at the All Star Game, standing right there, letting them know, hey, like you got to step behind the line, you got to do this. Like, I, I just don't get it with that. I will say Anthony Edwards uh, showed he's a ridiculous athlete. Like to do some of the things, and it, it felt. I mean, the more and more he speaks and does stuff, it feels a little Michael Jordan ish. 
like that that feels kind of Michael Jordan-ish to go out there and do stuff with your left hand. Uh, he already talked about the 10 to 20K. He's willing to lose at a, a casino, and then he's not going to, you know, he's done after that. Like, you can't tell me that somehow, some way, uh, whether it's his mom or in vitro fertilization or something, that they took an egg from Michael Jordan's, like, mom or something or, her, or his, 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 his life source and created Anthony Edwards because this guy is every day showing us he has a little bit of that mic in him. Um, and then, and then for the all-star game as a whole, like it was terrible. Like the 120 or the 211 points that Chris Finch gave up. I get it. Uh, but now every day, like all day to day, I don't know if you guys have been on Twitter this morning is nonstop videos of old all-star game competitions and how the players took it serious and how Kobe and, and Mike went at it. And you just don't have that anymore. It's never going to get that anymore. I don't know how to get that. Uh, somebody proposed giving the, conference winner of the all-star game the home field court home court advantage i'd be down with that like i don't know if that would make them take it serious uh but i think there does need to be some or like hey whoever does it like like i don't know they, they got to come up with something they, maybe it's more money maybe it's uh, an advantage for next year as far as like if your if your conference wins then maybe we'll take the uh the, the low management uh negative away from you guys i don't know i don't know how they do it but you got to get a little bit more serious or is this becoming a glorified like globetrotter show? Ben, what do you got? Yeah. So uh, Jack mentioned it being a no win situation. And I think that's the best way to put it. Like if you don't try, people are like, why aren't you trying it? If you're the only one that tries hard, it's like, Oh, of course cat cares about this. Right. Like that sort of thing. Like some of the Draymond comments, like, like what do you want him to do? Do you want to like, how do you just medium care? Like, it's just, it's, it's a very, it's a very weird thing. And like Steph Curry talked about, like he said he wanted to play. He like these guys, a number of them did try to the extent they wanted to get shots up. And for cat that just meant, Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to show off some dunks because I'm never going to do the dunk contest. So, um, I, I don't know. I, I think it would have been cool to see Ant put a little more effort in the all-star game, but I don't know. It's, it doesn't really bother me. And in terms of the, the event overall, um, like, Indeed, like for sure, people, the guys back in the 90s and, and whenever cared more. There were more of those even just 10 years ago, a little bit more than one, going back and forth one on one. But if you look at the scores back then, it's it, I mean, it's not 200. But like if you look at it in the context of how many points were scored in actual regular season 90s NBA, like I'm looking right now at the 92 All-Star game, the West scored 153 points. Like we could talk about how about how, you know, 200 is unbelievable. But how many points were teams scoring per game in 93? Like. 93 points a game, right? Like whatever, whatever that, if you take that same, um, that same rate of scoring, it's actually not all that different. And I didn't go through all the work because nobody would really care to like figure out what the actual rate is, but go through the nineties. I mean, like in 94, it was 135, 132. I mean, there was a game in, uh, there was a 139 in there. There's a, you know, all these games are well over a hundred points when regular season games were routinely in the eighties and nineties. So Yes, the end of it, the fourth quarter of the last few years have, has been pretty terrible to watch, um, but only if you're expecting it to be a legitimate basketball game. And also the the other layer to this is it wasn't a close game at all by that point. And so, of course, these guys weren't going to like lock in and try and come back from 20 down. So I don't know. It's it's a bit of a it's hard to have it both ways. Um, so it is an exhibition and it is it's fun to see these guys, you know, see Dame go for two for two on half court shots. Uh, I don't know. It, it was fun as a Wolves fan to see them involved as much as they were over the weekend. Um, obviously, Cat in the three point, um, you know, tying 
in the first round, advancing to the finals was great. Uh, I agree with Jack. I think the three point contest is is the best thing of the weekend. Um, and the Stefan Sabrina thing was awesome too. It was, it was fun. Um, and I, I, I just, I also enjoyed hearing the, uh, the TNT commentary at the end of Saturday night arguing about, you know, like Kenny, Kenny and Reggie arguing about what's better three pointer dunk contest. And of course they both have really clear biases with this. Um, and every year there's this debate, like how do we bring the dunk contest back? But you think throughout the last, I talked about this on lockdown wolves, the last, you know, 30 years, how many dunk contests are truly memorable period. Like even going back to the nineties, like nostalgia sure like obviously you know jordan and dominique and you've got of course vince carter and of course wolves fans remember Ryder and the levine dunk contests were legitimately great um but like there's what less than 10 even if you include the 90s that are truly memorable so i don't know that there's like a dunk contest back i think it's just you got to get the right guy in the right year um i think some of this like wringing our hands is is definitely recency bias about you know a couple of bad you know bad dunk contests bad all-star games here and there and I don't know why they got rid of the Elam ending either. I thought that was a good yeah, step in the right I direction. But I like the East West. I like going back to East West, but the Elam ending was great. Like I think you could do East West with the Elam ending and just add that wrinkle. I think it would make it a little more competitive in the fourth quarter. I've got three words for you. Four point line. Four point line in the all star game. Half court is five. So Dame can get a five point shot. If uh, if they're gonna just chuck up shots, let's just let's make it a circus. I get the four point, but don't do half court. It's, it'll get dumb at that point. Like, yeah, you know, cat, you know, cat would be the main one back there trying to throw him <laughs> up. Like, I loved you know, Luca throwing up a half court shot with 35 seconds left and him <laughs> tweeting. It was two for one analytics. That's why he took a half. Court shot. That was hilarious. <laughs> oh my goodness. Um, yeah. I don't know if there's a great solution, but we'll brainstorm. We'll come up with something for the league to use. Uh, coming up. We're going to talk about the Wolves' second half of the season and predict the week, which uh, which starts with the Bucks on Friday on the Minnesota Basketball Party. Brought to you today by eBay Motors. Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle. Level it up to peak performance with superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and plenty more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. They've got over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, so you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP. Bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply eBay guaranteed fit only available to U.S. customers. All right. As Ben said earlier in the show, uh, it's really the last third of the Wolves season. 27 games to go um, to the finish line. They lead the West by a game and a half over the Thunder, two games over the Clippers, three games over the Nuggets. What is the number one key, Ben Beacon, for the Wolves to win the West in the second half of the year? Yeah, I'm going to go with just continue to increase their volume of three-point shots. I mean, there's a, a ton of ways we could take this. Obviously, health. Obviously, you know, keeping guys fresh. They've got a bunch of back-to-backs. Um, but I, I think for me, the biggest on-court X's and O's thing would be just increase the volume of threes. I mean, you go back to mid-January, the Wolves are 16th in the league in three-point rate, according to Cleaning the Glass. And, and the first part of the season, they were bottom 10 easily. They were bottom five for a while, basically until Christmas time, I think. 
but they've been go back to January 20th. They're 16th in the league in three point rate as an offense. And since that same point, they're 14th in offense overall, like offensive efficiency, which isn't great, but it's better than hanging around 20th where they were for a big chunk of the season. And if you admittedly, this is arbitrary, but if you go February 1st, so the last three weeks, they are, uh, they're still about middle of the pack, 15th, 16th, the three point rate but they're number four in offensive rating. Now they've had a couple of blowout wins mixed in there against shorthanded teams. Sure. But the big story is they're shooting more threes and you know, it's, it's, uh, it's obvious that's going to help drive more offense and um, uh, help open things up for them. And uh, they've got, I mean, they're, they're still like the league's best. I think they're number one or number two in three point percentage. I'll see if I can pull it up real quick. I think they're one or two in three point percentage. So if the volume can just continue to increase. They're going to be in a really good in really good shape offensively. They're uh, let's see, they're third in three point percentage sitting here right now, but they've been kind of between one and three for a long time. So I think it's you know it's 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 just shoot more threes, period. And Cat's been a big part of that. He's increased his volume lately. Um, I think just overall, uh, the more they can do that, the more they can drive offense. Something I did on on today, actually Wednesday's lockdown wolves, is I went through. Um, all 40 teams over the last 10 years that went to the conference finals and just kind of looked at where they ranked offensively and defensively overall in the regular season. And um, there's only been seven times that there's been a final team out of the last 40, co- or sorry, conference final teams, that there's been a team that has been a top 10 defense and not a top 10 offense. Only seven times. But four of them have been in the last two years and three of them were in 2022. And there were nearly four of them because Boston was 10th at offense that year. So, there's a bit of a, I think, I think this is a bigger conversation, certainly, but I think there's a bit, there's been a bit of a market inefficiency when it comes to defense teams, figuring out how to limit corner threes, figuring out how to limit paint points. These teams with interior defenders, you know, switchable defenders, like a Bam Adebayo and, and obviously Rudy Gobert, um, you know, to try and kind of shut down the paint. It's, it's pretty interesting. And so I think clearly the wolves have the defense to win it. Um, and, and also, by the way, the, one of the other key takeaways that I'll just throw in here that bodes well for the wolves is over the last 10 years, uh, five in five of the 10 years, the number one ranked defense in the regular season has gone to at least the conference finals, which is, you know, bodes well. It doesn't mean the Wolves have a 50 50 shot. I don't think of making the conference finals, but it's a good, a good trend, right? Um, so the defense, they've already got that. If they increase the three point volume, they get to the line a fair amount. Um, you know, they, they are good enough shot makers in the paint. It's, can they, can they just shoot more threes to help continue to lift that offense from middle of the pack to hopefully a top tier or nearly top tier offense by the end of the regular season? Yeah, for me, I, I kind of suspected that Ben might Ben might take it to the three point uh, the the three point line. So I, I went in a little bit of a different direction here for mine, and, and it's that Anthony Edwards' playmaking has really taken uh, a jump uh, in the last four games. I mean, Ant has a season long assist to turnover ratio of one point six, uh, which is you know pretty good for someone with you know, his usage and, and scoring talent. And given he, he wasn't really a playmaker, uh, you know, coming up um, through high school and college and into the NBA, but, but in the last four games before the, the all-star break, uh, he had 26 assists and only four turnovers. It's an assisted turnover ratio of 6.5 and the offense scored 129, 121, 121, and 128 in those uh, games, all four on the road. Uh, and that was the most in a four game stretch that the Timberwolves have had so far this season. And I think, Ant is finally starting to piece together, you know, how to kind of use his shot mix to his advantage as a playmaker, right? I think, you know, we've seen Ant, you know, do a great job of, uh, you know, taking some threes early, seeing a couple go down, and then, you know, just really toying with the perimeter defense of of one to drive versus one to 
went to spot up and take a three. And now it's, uh, you know, he's kind of going to the next level of that, which is, you know, he's he's really using uh, his off the catch game really well to to collapse the defense and then make plays for his teammates. Right. And I think that, you know, we all know how well Anthony Edwards can compromise the defense with his speed and explosiveness and his strength. Um, but I think now being able to do that to to specifically to playmake is going to be really important. I think, you know, he does a great job already of keeping defenders off balance. Uh to score, I think, you know, driving to certain spots on the floor with the intention of, you know, kicking the ball to the opposite corner to try to create an open three for Jaden McDaniels, or maybe it creates a swing swing and gets the defense in rotation. I think it's just some of the more advanced, uh, you know, little things about the game uh, that, that don't necessarily benefit him, that just benefit the, um, you know, the other guys around him, I think are going to be really important, you know, because sitting there and watching a guy dribble a basketball, you know, while you're in the corner or you're in the slot is not all that fun. Right. And I think the more that Ant can get, um, can, you know, can use his gifts to get all the other guys involved and help the offense go is going to be really important because I do think a lot of the offensive blame was unfairly pinned on Chris Finch when a lot of it was just, hey, man, if Ant, if you could pass the ball more, like if, if you could drive into the paint and just kick the ball out to your teammates and get the defense in rotation and make things a little bit easier for everyone else, like, the offense is going to be better. Like, yes, there absolutely needs to be more structure to the offense, but like Ant was the guy with the ball in his hands at the end of all these games when the Timberwolves were, you know, kind of collapsing and, and really struggling in those fourth quarters. And on a certain point, Ant probably, you know, looked inward and was like, hey, what can I do better? And and he's certainly done it over the last four games. And, and I do think that it's going to be, um, you know, a way that Rudy Gobert can stay more involved in the offense. We've seen his pick and roll uh, you know, kind of synergy with Rudy Gobert really increase uh, over the last couple of weeks. But then also, too, when you think about guys who have been pretty inconsistent for, you know, the last you know, two, three weeks to a month between Nas Reed and Jane McDaniels, those are two guys that could really be a competitive advantage for the Timberwolves. If you have, you know, a fourth option potentially in each of those guys, uh, you know, giving you 15, 18, even maybe in 20 points a game on a night in the playoffs that, you know, who, who spot up in the corner a lot of times. And I think if, if Anthony Edwards is able to find those guys, keep those guys involved in the offense, get them more touches, more easy catch and shoot looks from the corner. I think that, um, you know, kind of like Ben said, it's just another way to, to get the Wolves more three point opportunities, but also another way to, you know, keep some of the guys that you really need to stay involved in the offense and score more. Um, in a rhythm so that they can keep scoring and keep helping this offense. And so there, there's a lot of little things for the Timberwolves to be able to improve upon uh, offensively, especially around the margins with the role players. And I think Ant uh, helping get them more involved in using you know all of his physical gifts and all of his amazing scoring gifts to, to play make for others and make the game easier for his teammates um, is going to be something that's going to be really fun to watch because he's going to be the focal point of every single defensive game plan down the stretch of this uh, regular season and into the playoffs. And so the, uh, you know, the more things that he has in his toolbox at his disposal to try to break down a defense, whether it's as a scorer or as a playmaker is, is really going to help this team, um, you know, increase its, its offensive ceiling. Ron Johnson, what do you got? Yeah. I mean, I think it's health. When I, when I look at the health of these players, you, you think about all the, the times where like the Warriors, for instance, if Steph Curry could have stayed healthy, if Klay Thompson could have stayed healthy, if Kevin Durant could have stayed healthy, like every, every season where you expected a team to win, it always came down to health. And if guys can stay healthy, I think that's going to be the big key for them. That's my number one is stay healthy. So I understand trying to become like MVPs and all this other stuff in 65 games. 
Uh, but low management, like Anthony Edwards said, I think he said he has jumper's knee. Hey, if you need to rest it, rest it. Like, cause what you don't want to do is make it worse so that every other game you're playing at half speed, uh, cause you're going out there every night trying to test it. Oh, let me see if I can go. If you have a two, three, four game lead, just relax. Just relax, rest up. Cause I mean, I, I've had that same thing. It's, it's basically similar to tendonitis. You just give it a day or two off and you come back and you feel great and you just ice the crap out of it. You take, you know, the, the, the meds to get the swelling out. And then the next day you come out and you feel great. And I think that's the key is like you can push through it and then eventually you'll warm up and you notice that with him. But health is going to be the key. That's the first thing for me. The second one for me is when you watch the Nuggets, they are extremely efficient. Every time they feel like a game's getting out of hand, they go back to their bread and butter, which is get the ball in Jokic's hand at the top. Let the Joker figure it out. You got Aaron Gordon. You got uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, Jamal Murray and all those guys move with him. It's not let me go create, then let me go create, then let me go. It's let's get it to the top of the key, let Jokic figure this out, and then let's go from there. I think I don't know what their set is. I don't know if it's Anthony Edwards bringing it up. I don't know if Cat needs to get at the free throw line. Uh, it's definitely not Rudy Gobert starting anything. I think he's always the secondary. Like if it's the pick and lob, if it's the pick and lay, if it's Mike Conley getting to the top and getting the set set. Whatever they're most efficient, because I'm pretty sure the analytics guys in that locker room or that you know whatever their team has that here's our most efficient play set whatever that is they have to always know that and chris finch has to be aware they have to be aware he has to be aware so that when it's not say getting out of hand but when it feels like this lead is, is shrinking and the team is starting to get the crowd back involved go back to our top set and shut it down and that's what the nuggets do if you notice any of their games whenever it seems like a team's gonna come back and win they go right back to Jokic and he just he just shut, he snuffs the fire out like and that's that's my my top two is like whatever their top set is and I I personally think it's Anthony Edwards I think Anthony Edwards at the top makes everybody turn their eyes to him which then allows for a cat to be wide open in the corner for a Rudy Gobert to get in the block and maybe only have one man or one on one um, I, I think it's it's got to be Anthony Edwards and then Mike Conley just being in a perfect spot to hit the shot. And I think that's going to be their number one. But Anthony Edwards, at the same token, can't get caught up in now at this point scoring numbers. Just play your game. Don't try to be Michael Jordan. Just play it. Like, be the guy you can be when you have to be that mid-range. Take it. If you got the step back three, take it. But understand when you drive, if they're helping, somebody's open. And, and Nas Reed can knock down shots. Jay McDaniels can knock down shots. Cat and Mike Conley. I mean, I'm not saying I, put, I would put Rigo Ray on the bench. But I do like that five out there on the court sometimes without Gobert because you put four shooters around Ant. And if you don't merge on Ant, he can take anybody one-on-one. -on -one. And for me, I think that's that's the key for me down the stretch is he's got to become great now. We we see uh, who just who just did that. Jason Williams just tried to hate on Caitlin Clark, saying I'm never going to call her great until she wins a championship. I feel like that's going to be Anthony Edwards' career down the stretch. He, they're going to treat him like Barkley. Like he might be one of the greats, but they're always going to say, like, oh, he never found a way to win a championship. And I think – in the next two or three years, but this year might be the year. Yeah, great points, Ron. And on the health thing, I mean, the Wolves have had unbelievable health luck this year. Their top eight guys have only missed 20 games combined, and 10 of those were Jaden early in the year. So really, they've, they've been almost entirely healthy. Knock on wood that that continues. My one thing to improve, more shots. And this kind of goes hand-in-hand -hand with more three-point shots. But in general, from the field, they are seventh best in terms of percentage but they have the fewest shot attempts per game in the league. 30th, dead last, 84 shot attempts per game. Reduced turnovers. 
reduce turnovers. You've got two heavy usage players in Ant and Cat that are two of the 15 most egregious turnoverers in the NBA. So reduce the turnovers, play more within yourself. Don't be reckless. Don't take offensive fouls, Cat, and allow your team to shoot more because they're very good at shooting. They're extremely efficient. Same deal as the three-point shots. You're great at it, so do it more. Um, we always end the show by predicting the week. The Wolves start a seven-game homestand. They have Bucks, the, the the ailing Milwaukee Bucks and Doc Rivers. Then they've got the Nets the following day, and then Wemby comes in with the Spurs. Bucks, Nets, Spurs, Ron Johnson, predict the week. Oh. Uh. I hate to say it undefeated. Like I, 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 I hated on them last. I think what last time I did this, I said one and two, and they went three and zero. Oh, I think so. Yeah, I, I'm gonna go three, and I kind of want to go one and two just to like keep hating on them so they'll win. Because uh, I feel like if the minute I get on board, they're gonna hurt my feelings. But I'm gonna, I'm gonna have faith. I'm gonna go three and zero. Oh. I, I think coming out the All Star break, everybody else is rested. I think Cat learned a valuable lesson about keeping his feet behind the three-point line. I think Anthony Edwards didn't waste too much energy on that as well. Like he was like, "Look, we got to go out and win a championship." Um, I, I did wish that Chris Finch had did what you said, Sam, which is just wear Jokic out during the All-Star game, like play yeah. him way more than everybody else. Um, but I'm gonna go three and zero. Ben, I'm also gonna go three and zero. I mean, we don't know exactly who's gonna play for the Bucks. You know, Middleton may or may not be back a week and a half after the sprained ankle. Um, you know, I, I, but I think, I think they'll beat the Bucks on Friday and then the Nets back to back Saturday. Uh, Brooklyn, of course, just fired their coach, but they play Thursday. So I don't think they'll get the, you know, the, the new coach, you know, winning the first game with the new coach bump. That might already have happened for the Nets. So I'll, I'll say the Wolves win both of those and still beat the Spurs, even though the Spurs have been tough for the Wolves this year. Um, I'm feeling optimistic coming out of the break. And, you know, maybe they're a little rusty Friday, but maybe the Bucks are shorthanded. So I'll, I'll go three now. Jack. Yeah, I, I also had three and zero here. Um, you know, I, I think for for me the the big one is is the Milwaukee game. Like, I don't know, we haven't really talked about it, but ESPN is doing an all access day in Minneapolis on Friday, where they're hosting First Take from uh, Minneapolis. They're hosting uh, NBA Today, I believe, from Minneapolis, and then that game is going to be um, on ESPN. It's a late game. It's a nine p.m. tip because of the West Coast, you know, slot they keep throwing the Wolves in. Um, so I, I think that the Wolves are really going to, you know, give their egg effort, especially in, in that being their first game after the All-Star break. Kyle Anderson and Monte Morris did not go on vacation. Uh, they, they stayed in Minneapolis to, to continue working. Like there are some guys that are, that are still there working. And I, and I think it's just going to be a really business-like approach with how many veterans they have. And, um, and, and you know, these guys are all now talking to each other like, hey, we have the chance to do something really cool and really special that, um, you know, a team – has never done here in the, in the NBA. So, um, and then, then you think about that San Antonio game, right. Where they're, they're going to be pissed off and not want to repeat what happened down in Texas, um, you know, about a month ago. So uh, I, I think it's a, a really good spot for them to kind of gain some momentum here. And then, uh, you know, and then two of their next three after that are against big time Western conference opponents. So it'll be fun to see if they can kind of keep this thing rolling. And then, um, and then just, you know, play really hard and, and let the scoreboard, do what it does against against some other big time Western Conference opponents. Yeah, I, I think that most great seasons usually have a couple lengthy winning streaks in them, right? The Wolves had one long winning streak early in the season. Um, I think that they have one more big winning streak in them. And this might be the time to do it when you're living at home for a couple of weeks against 
not the best competition. That Nets game feels like more of the trap game to me. I think they'll be ready for Milwaukee, but then coming back the next day with less energy, uh, how will they fare? But I'm just going to join the undefeated party so we can all sound either all smart or all dumb. And I'm going to say 3-0. Wolves will get get some distance in the Western Conference race, I think, during this homestand. Um, Thank you for watching the Minnesota Basketball Party today on Locked On Sports Minnesota or listening on the Locked On Wolves audio feed. Also, find the Ron Johnson Show. He interviewed CJ Ham on Tuesday. Check that out on the Locked On Sports Minnesota channel. We've also got the Minnesota Football Party on Mondays and fri- uh, Mondays and Thursdays, excuse me, roundtable with Reggie Wilson, Julie Daniels, Ron Johnson, and myself on Fridays. Lots of programming. Check it all out. And thanks for watching Wolves Talk every Wednesday on the Minnesota Basketball Party.